Welcome to the John Corbin Podcast. My name is John Corbin. This is a show of meaningful conversations where I sit down with artists, thinkers, and interesting people to tell stories on the themes of creativity, inspiration, community, and learning together. You can find out more about the podcast at my website, johncorbinmusic.com, and you can find me on social media. My Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles are at John Corbin Music. That's J-O-N-C-O-R-B-I-N. That's right. There is no H. Finally, we are Patreon supported. You can find out more at patreon.com slash John Corbin. Your Patreon support is greatly appreciated. It not only allows the show to keep running, but allows it to reach for higher levels. If you want to provide monthly support, there are no tiers. You can just pay what you choose. And that gives you access to bonus material around the podcast, but also exclusive creative work like new songs, poems, essays, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the John Corbin Podcast. My name is John Corbin. My guest today, a community organizer, lay minister, someone that is a conscious to the church, someone who loves art, and a great thinker. L. Pike is joining us today. L. is a buddy of mine from my days as a student and graduate from Wilfrid Laurier University. And I've always been interested in her work as a lay minister with the Free Methodist Church and interested in work, on faith, on community. I think she's got a lot to say. So let's get into it. My conversation with L. Pike. It's the John Corbin Podcast. I am John Corbin, here today with my special guest. Who are you? My name is L. Pike. Welcome, L. Yes, I'm happy to be here. It's so great to be hanging out with you today. Yeah. Uh, L. what do you do? So I guess uh, technically, uh, how I spend my days uh, job-wise, I always find these questions interesting, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I, I can give you the, the spiel, the spiel that everybody uh, always gives. So right now, um, I help to co-lead um, a, a not-for-profit here in Canada called the New Leaf Network. And we're a Canadian collaborative organization that supports and equips and uh, encourages to the best of our ability, uh, church planters, spiritual entrepreneurs, missional practitioners in cities and neighborhoods um, from coast to coast here in Canada. That keeps me pretty busy uh, with my day job. I'm also a lay minister with the Free Methodist Church in Canada. So I'm involved in a church plant here in Kitchener. And uh, I do a lot of things for fun, hanging out with my family, being outside, um, lots of traveling. So, that's that's what I do. So lay minister is a unique term. It is. I don't hear it a lot. It is. What does that involve? Yeah. So within the Free Methodist Church in Canada, a denomination that I am currently a part of, um, they have essentially a license for people like me who um, I'm not an ordained minister, and uh, but I do... I do work. I do ministry. So I get the opportunity to serve alongside of a pastor and get to teach, get to help lead and serve in that way and still have some of the capacities that uh, a pastor has. Um, But most of my days aren't spent doing pastoral work. So an ordination didn't really make 
total sense for me at this point in time. So they offer something called a lay minister's license. And it's also trying to encourage people like me who aren't full-time doing quote-unquote church work, um, giving you the ability to serve in a local congregation. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a neat thing. I wish more denominations did it. It's, it's nice. I would say the same thing because it sounds very exciting. I've always been, uh, I've always been curious uh, what that would entail and excited that someone like you is doing that work. Thanks. I appreciate that. How long have you been doing it? Great question. Uh, probably about five years now. Yeah. Okay. Five years. Yeah. And something that you want to see yourself continuing to do? I think so. I have for as long as it makes sense in my current context. Yeah. It's a, it's a privilege to serve and help lead in that way. So we're trying some, some neighborhood stuff at, at UNA and, um, doing some cool stuff. So it's a great community to be a part of. So I'm, I'm happy to be there and serve in that way. That's really neat. Elle, who do you hold close? Who do I hold close? So uh, a lot of people, uh, my family who I, I love very much, uh, my friends who are kind of like your chosen family. I have a great group of people uh, that I get to do life with in that way. I feel very blessed and uh, grateful for that. And, uh, a lot of my uh, a lot of my colleagues, people who are who are grinding it out, uh, doing work in neighborhoods and in cities, and uh, I hold I hold a lot of those people close. And and yeah, those are those are my people. It sounds like you have a great community around you. I do. I feel very grateful for that. It's not always easy. Doing life together can sometimes be interesting, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a good crowd. Yeah. And uh, you said you mentioned your family first. Uh, uh, what what makes up your family? Uh, so um, I I'm not I'm not currently married. So I you know my family would be um, yeah some of my chosen close friends, people that I'm in relationship with, and then my my extended family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, my brother-in-law, my cousins, my nieces, um, all of that crowd. So how many sisters do you have? I have two older sisters. Yep. Oh, so you're the youngest. I am the baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's not, you know, obvious, but yes, I am the baby. I embrace <laughs> that title. I'm sure you do. Yep. Uh, L, what inspires you? Yeah, great question. What inspires me? Um, you know, it might sound a little cheesy, but I really mean it. Um, Courageous people really, really inspire me. Um, okay. Courage, people who are just uh, pushing forth with some courage in today's culture, in whatever sphere of influence they, they're a part of, um, those people really, really inspire me. Um, different writers, different musicians, um, things like that. But I, I have the privilege to actually know people that are doing some interesting stuff. And so I, I just appreciate people that are like, yeah, grinding it out. That's always, I always think about it, doing good work. And so uh, that, those would be the, those would be the kind of things that really inspire me. Well, that makes sense in terms of your mm -hmm. work as like in dealing with community and neighborhood and trying to be connected, yep. right? You probably see lots of uh, people with unique stories. And so that inspiration seems to be readily available. Yes. Yeah. I certainly feel grateful for that. Hmm. That's great. Okay, the hard one. Describe yourself in a word. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I think I would say zesty. How about that? Describe myself. Yo, that's a great word. Zesty. I like that word. 
I like to hope that I'm zesty. Yeah. Full of life. Yes. Yes. Energy. Yes. That's fantastic. Thanks. All right. So now, do you want to know what I say uh, about you behind your back? Yeah. I mean, I guess we're recording, so let her rip, I guess. eh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I'd love to know. When I am, uh, when I'm talking to people about the podcast that I'm working on and saying, you know, the people ask who you have on next, you know, it's that it's the, um, oh, someone was telling me about this recently, like branding essentially is what people say about you when you're not around. Right. Yeah. And so I was thinking about that in terms of the people that I want to talk to Yeah. and the excitement I have in talking with them. I'm trying to share that with people who are potential listeners. Right. So if I say, L. Pike is coming on the podcast. I would say that what I've said about you is that if L is at an event, it is a cosign. <laughs> like she is just at the places where stuff, good stuff is happening. That's community great. events, music, art. If it's interesting and L is there, then you should take it as a cosign. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I appreciate that. That's you can say that behind my back all you'd like. (laughs) Perfect. And I've been blessed uh, that you've shown up to some of my events over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I'm one of your biggest fans, my friend. Oh, that's fun. Thank you. I have always appreciated your energy. Um, The date takes me back to when I was uh, at Laurier and uh, and graduate, so this is like uh, 2004, five, six. Oh, yeah, the good old days, yep. Oh, man. And doing shows and, and seeing you and Rochelle yeah. uh, and some of your friends yeah. show up was always, yeah, I guess it was a cosign. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I always felt encouraged. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, um, well, you know, I love music. I love I love supporting the arts. Um and I just, there's something about community and connection. I've always, I love a good party too. So, I mean, I must confess there is that. But <laughs> there's always been something really juicy and, and delicious to me about community and connection, bringing people together mm. in a space and seeing what happens. Um, so I've always loved that. And that's always been part of your shows. So that's why even even back in the day, I, I really enjoyed being being a part and getting to to meet the people who would also come out and support you. Right. Right. That's, uh, I really appreciate that. That does lead us to the question I ask my guests if we know each other, because I rarely remember. Do you remember where we first met? Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like it was like a house show. Okay. That you were playing at. I, if my memory cor- is correct from back in that time, you were still in Waterloo. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's probably where we first met. If I, if, if my memory's correct, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm, my wheels are spinning right now to remember house shows that I would have done at that time. Yeah. Nothing. No, nothing. I, that's what I think. I don't know. I feel like I saw you perform somewhere for sure. That yeah. would have been, but maybe, I don't know. That, okay. That's my guess. That's my best guess. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, Cause it's more reliable than my memory. That's for sure. <laughs> As evidenced right here. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So then uh, I ask folks to to come here with a story. Sure. Uh, We're talking about uh, 
stories of, you know, creativity or inspiration or connection and learning. And, and we, we share a story in this case. We do. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go first and, and tell your side of it. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask some questions as we go along. Sure. What's, sure. The, what's the story you have to bring to us today? So you and I collaborated on an event uh, that I had the privilege to help um, kind of get off the ground and curate here in, in Waterloo. And it was um, TEDx Waterloo Women. And so TEDx, for those who are familiar with the TED brand, TEDx has the ability to, they give you the license and you can have an event, um, an independently kind of organized event in your city. And TED always has a, a women's event every year. And they give you the ability to um, kind of live stream in some of the conversations that were happening that year. I think it was in Washington and then present local talks from your own community. And so um, I had the opportunity to curate that. I was um, terrified, like looking back at it, I was like, what was I thinking? Uh, I had just started a business with two of my um, good friends and we were like a year into it. And then I said yes to this at the same time. I was like, what? Oh, thinking back was crazy, but um, <laughs> it was really cool. And looking back, I'm really proud that we did it. And so part of the day was these kinds of conversations and talks. And the theme that year was the space between, um, which, you know, is funny. It's still, <laughs> still a super interesting topic because it's talking about how women are less likely to approach subjects from a black or white perspective as they see the gray in between. Um, the line was women know that life is lived in the tensions and the contrasts. And this event seeks to understand nuances, game big picture, and find areas where we need more understanding. And so I knew I really wanted art and music to be somehow a part of it. And so, John, I, I reached out to you and I thought, you know, you've got some great spoken word stuff that I think would just fit so perfectly because the, the, the event was catered toward women. And uh, you came and performed and collaborated on the stage there at, at CG, at the Center for International Governance. And in uh, in Waterloo with uh, I think we had three or four hundred people there and uh, it was a really awesome event and I look back on it uh, like I said sort of shocked that it all happened but I feel like it was such an interesting opportunity and moment for a lot of people and I was so happy to have shared that with you and get to share your gifts and skill sets and just your creativity and the way that women and that that topic has been a part of the stuff that you've been doing and how you were able to come and share that on the stage. So mm -hmm. it was a, it was a good memory. I hope, I hope you remember it as fondly as I do. Oh, I, I had a great time and it, it sparked so many things in my life and uh, not just with my creative work, but also my professional life as an educator Um and relationships that came from that. There's there's a bunch of stuff that I want to unpack from that today, um, this, including the just sheer shock that you would ask me. <laughs> <laughs> there, it was not just like you know the the all the rest of the speakers were women. Yes. And you know the majority of the audience was women. Yep. And that gives you that gives that gave me pause. Um, making sure that I was representing properly yeah, and yeah, engaging sure. yep, uh, and not taking up too much space. 
that was another thing I, I considered. Um, but let's let me ask you. You said the season in your life you're doing business, and then and then you said yes to this. Like, what was the motivation? Why did you decide to get involved? Well, I had been a part of TEDx Waterloo, so um, uh, for a number of years, which again was that kind of independently organized event. They had it every year at the center in the square, and you know it. I mean, I love the concept of TED, right? Ideas worth spreading. And um, I loved the community that was rallied around it. And I, I'm passionate about, about women um, in general, uh, because I am one. And I, I've, <laughs> I just know whether we're talking church context or business context, there's just a, so often a lack of representation. And I mean, that, I mean, we could go down that road forever, but there's just something so beautiful when women get in a space where they feel empowered and encouraged and inspired and this collective um, sense that we can uh, empower one another as women. And then what that looks like to have men alongside, um, you know, championing us and um, kind of doing that stuff together. And so I thought, well, this would be a fascinating topic to, to take on this, this concept of the space between, but then specifically reaching out to women in, in Waterloo to come together and spend that time to be inspired and to be encouraged. Um, and just to hear like good ideas, like there's some super interesting things that were shared at the event. And, um, yeah, that was, that was probably what, what I was, what I was thinking when I said yes. Yeah. Do you remember, um, some of the speakers that were there or some of the ideas that were shared, anything that stood out to you? Yeah. Yep. For sure. So one of, uh, I guess the bright and shining, uh, <laughs> um, kind of accomplishments of that event for me was I reached out to, um, an award winning physicist. Um, her name is Dr. Shohini Gosi and she, uh, was, um, and still is just a force to be reckoned with at Laurier's center for women in science. So she is, uh, man, she is so smart. Like oh, we went out for coffee a few times before the event. And I was just like, I don't, I've never had coffee with a physicist before. This is fascinating. <laughs> and, uh, she was, uh, she was so great. And so one of the great things is that, um, from her talk that she gave about what would it be like if Einstein had have been a woman. So she, um, had this whole talk about Anna Einstein and what that would have looked like. I just thought it was so brilliant and so interesting and how she explained everything. But that talk then, she became in 2014 a TED fellow. Um, and then also TED official asked her to come and to share her work on the main stage at TED in at their 2014 Vancouver event. And wow, I thought like she contacted me and she's like, had you never, you know, reached out to me, this would have never happened. And so now she's a TED fellow and she's been doing all sorts of stuff for TED as rightfully so she should. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she's brilliant and the world should know more about her. Um, but I, that felt like a really cool moment to say that, see that my yes was connected to her ability to then say yes to all these other opportunities. Um, and just how that in that so interesting when those two things come together, that connectivity of someone saying yes, uh, opens up a spot for someone else to say yes. So I, that was probably one of the, the highlights for me looking back. Um, and yeah, you can check out her talk on the main TED site now because she's she's famous. So that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So so even in like, so I'm I'm putting it all together here as we talk because we we've talked a, a bunch about you being community 
involved and minded. And yes, you were bringing, you know, help organizing and bringing together people, but it is not just the, the, the event did not just have uh, an effect on you. Uh, it had sort of far reaching effects for the people that you brought together in community. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a beautiful, um, that's why I hope, like, I know conferences, sometimes people are like, ah, another conference, another event, another thing. Um, but I hope that that never goes away because, you know, in the world that we live in now, like you can stay in your house (laughs) and have community, you know, online and in these, you know, different ways. I mean, but there's something about like life on life, you know, skin on skin, being in the same space with people that just opens up our perceptions and gives us the ability to have real life conversations and connections with people. And I can't, you know, back then I would have never seen it the way I see it now of like, those are spaces for change. Those are spaces for, yeah. um, you know, and I think about the polarized <laughs> world that we live in um, and what that looks like that we just can sometimes, if we're not careful, we can live in these silos. I mean, I can curate my Twitter feed and curate my Facebook feed and I can just listen to stories all day that just, you know, make me feel wonderful and, and, um, enforce my my thoughts you know that I already have and but there's something great to get outside of that bubble and outside of that silo to learn from different people so I think those spaces are really important and I'm I'm proud of myself if I can say that I am Mm -hmm. that I've tried to continue to do that because I think it matters so that's a great word Um, and I guess what you're saying is it comes back to uh, how you engaged the conference in the first place is by saying yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this reminds me, uh, this reminds me of a story. You talk, mentioned conferences. So I'm thinking back to my uh, Waterloo days. Now I've graduated from Laurier um, probably um, partway through this, um, partway through the year. Like I probably did the first term Uh, And so I'm done all my courses in January and working, but there is um, a professor I stayed in touch with and a conference um, that was, I can't remember if it was in sort of religion and culture department. Um, That's where the professor I knew um, was, that was, that was her discipline and asked me to participate in um, some small measure um, or maybe even, maybe even attend, like we're hosting this conference and this would be good. And I've never been to an academic conference to go, you know, station to station and listen to these presentations of academic papers and that kind of stuff does fascinate me, even though um, the language isn't always accessible or the way it's written isn't always <laughs> right. accessible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like, it's like scratching an itch. Um, for my brain, just, I like being in rooms of people that are smarter than me, uh, and trying to learn to observe and learn. So, um, I think, I think my prof was looking out for me and just bringing me into this kind of cool experience. And then of course, like another thing I had never experienced is the socializing that happens after the conference. Yeah. So I can't remember what Laurier building it was, but, um, uh, it might've been the Lutheran student house or something like that, where it's just like a house in Waterloo that turned into this reception. Mm. So at the time I am, I'm married. So it's maybe 2005, 2006. And I have uh, a hairdo that is uh, like, like homemade 
hair twists. It. I'm sure it was like lovely. I, oh, I stood in my friend's wedding, my friend Paul's wedding, and I went to his house. Uh, you know, so we've been friends since and, and, and looked at those wedding pictures on the wall and saw my hair and just apologized. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry that that was in your pictures. <laughs> and so it's like this, I grew my hair out and this is kind of these like, you know, really bad looking mini dreads that have been, that have been homemade and home and home waxed. And so I'm walking around with this mop on my head <laughs> and at the conference uh, or at this reception, uh, the school has invited uh, singer and activist Faith Nolan to, to sing. And she is um, a, a mixed cultural heritage, um, African-Canadian and uh, indigenous Mi'kmaq from Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what that's how they pronounce it then. I believe it's Mima now. Um, but. All I heard was this buzz that she was going to be there and she's great. And have you heard her? And, and the, you know, just there was a sort of anticipation. So I'm socializing to the best that I can as a, you know, young 20 something among all these academics <laughs> and feeling a bit out of place just for having never been there before. And Faith Nolan is uh, in the in the corner of a room getting set up with her guitar and stuff. And she comes up to me. She walks up to me and she says, um, hey, I'm going to play a set in a few minutes. Do you think you could play percussion with me? <laughs> That's great. And I said, she, not like, can you play percussion? She's like, do you have the ability to do that? She's like, can you do this? <laughs> and I said, sure. But how did you know that I played percussion? And she reached out and tussled my hair. And said, I just had a feeling. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've just been spotted, obviously, like with this bad hair. <laughs> but it was awesome. She gave me a bunch of perk instruments and and uh, and we sat beside each other and I and she played the blues. I'd never played the blues before, but I, you know, I could certainly could hang. And uh, and yeah, and played like a half hour set and she was there with her guitar and she put her tambourine on her foot so she could tap tap her foot and have some rhythm there so and then i could just follow along and um i'd been playing drums for since almost 10 years and so i certainly certainly could hang but oh yeah talk about just getting to know somebody in that moment and what like those experiences they stay with you right they're they're fun stories that's a good story that's a good story Uh, yeah, shout out to Faith Nolan. <laughs> yeah. So you said yes. Yes, I did. And you talked about the effect on other people. What about yourself? What What were some of your takeaways from doing the event? Yeah, um, I have like an, a true and honest belief that um, courage is is a habit. Um, and you kind of get courageous by being courageous. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. learn courage by couraging. I think Brene Brown may have said that. Um, I love that line. And um, I, th- I think that that helped me flex my courage muscle. 
So in that particular season of my life, I just started a business. I stayed at that business for six years. It's still going. Um, I'm still involved in it. Um, and in that time, that's when, uh, uh, my good friend, Jared Siebert was like, Hey, you like startups and <laughs> do you want to do this? <laughs> not profit startup, this charity, this thing we're trying. I was like, yeah, okay, sure. And I just, uh, feel like I could flex that muscle uh, of the courage muscle because I had, I had learned how to do it by saying yes. Um, and so that was just a, a really important moment in my life of um, saying yes to something that was bigger than me. I had to grab a, a team of collaborators with me. Um, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, and uh, there was some vulnerability thrown in there, right? Like you're kind of putting your imperfections, <laughs> like you're in it, you know, I can't do all the things. So I have to look for other people to come alongside and help and mm-hmm. kind of putting yourself out there. Um, and so I learned a lot in that season. And I think those, um, those lessons uh, have stayed with me. And I feel like it gives me um, some authenticity and some skin in the game when I'm then encouraging church planters and spiritual entrepreneurs and like missional practitioners that are trying to be innovative and do this work. Like I can say to them, like risk, be courageous. And I'm not, I'm not saying it as someone who just is like an armchair quarterback, like saying it as someone who's been out on the field. So um, those kinds of opportunities have given me uh, the ability to say that uh, with a bit more gusto. Wow. That's fantastic. That is really fantastic. Thanks. That was, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like uh, soaking it in and you can't see my high, my impressed face. I'm like, whoa, I'm really, yeah, I'm really thankful um, that you're here. So we, we can wrap your side with this because I'm curious about saying yes to this and flexing your courage muscles and how that impacts um, the Christian ministers that you're dealing with now. And you have your own title of minister, but it is not all, all of that stuff is sort of the lay ministry, I think. And, um, and working with Ted, like it's so community focused. Mm -hmm. It's not what people often think of when they think about like Christian ministry. No. So is part of your, is part of your work then encouraging these ministers to sort of get out of the comfort of the four walls? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much. I mean, we have like training and workshops and kind of standard stuff that we do. We work alongside of, you know, I would say that we're an ecumenical organization. So we, we work, you know, in, in um, mainline and evangelical circles. We're kind of right across the board in Canada. And so we kind of have our standard things that we offer, training and things like that. But I think part of the my continuation of, of creating spaces for people to be together is to encourage people to get outside of the box. I mean, um, you know, I could sit here, we could talk stats about uh, the declining number of people who are going to church or people who even are interested in the Christian faith. And um, I don't blame those numbers. <laughs> I don't, I don't blame those people. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure the church, if it's okay to say this, I don't know if the church has really been offering all that interesting things for the past number of years. So it's no, right. I mean, coming with someone who has a business background, I mean, if you've got a product and nobody's buying it, 
you might need to look at that product. I'm mm-hmm. not saying Jesus. I, I'm, I'm saying the way that we package it, how we live, what it means to be the church in this time and, and place. We have to rethink it and we have to reimagine it. And we have to have innovators who are willing to step outside of the boxes and push the lines a little bit to say, hey, it's time for us to be present in neighborhoods. It's time for us to find community and connection. It's time for us to step outside of the box of what maybe worked in the 70s and 80s and uh, take a real look at what we have around us and say, hey, can we, can, we, can we do something different here? So part of my job is to continue to create spaces where people can be relationally connected, where leaders and innovators can work together um, to lead from the emerging future that's right here because I think there is something that's happening that's bubbling right here and can we encourage people in those in those spaces and so I I love to break the mold of what is currently uh, thought of as Christian faith or church life or what it means to be a spiritual entrepreneur even or in, in spiritual community and so um, I think uh I want to keep pushing those boundaries. So I'm okay if people are kind of confused <laughs> a little bit about what we do and about what we're, what I'm up to or what I'm trying or the things that I've, you know, I've tried some things and they failed too, you know, it's not always win after win. So I'm okay with a little bit of the confusion because I'd, I'd like to be leading from the edge of the inside if I could, you know, just from the on, on that edge, edge. yeah, pushing a little bit against it. So. There's so many quotes you have, Al. Like Thanks. we can just start our own T-shirt line. Thanks. Hey, I could I could give that a shot. Yeah, let's say hey, yes. Entrepreneur. We should say yes to that. We should say yes. <laughs> All right, I like this building business and podcast. Yeah, form. yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't mean to be glib about it. I just think that it's just so um, it's so impressive because and and for this reason because I um, oh boy, another story is coming up. Um. When I moved to Milton, um, this is in the aughts, probably, you know, 2009, 2010. No, maybe, actually, maybe earlier before we had kids. And it was a Saturday night and we wanted to go out. All right, where do we want to go? Uh, let's go to the Rex in Toronto because we love jazz music. And they have an early set there. And even though we were still in our 20s, um, we were old people and didn't want to stay up late. Um, so we called everybody we knew, Hey, we want to go out spur of the moment. Let's go out. And all the people turned us down because they were involved in the church service on Sunday morning and they didn't want to be out. Yeah. And I said, Abby, we need some new friends. (laughs) We need some, we need to have members of our community that are willing to go out on Saturday night. Yeah, I hear you. And what it did was remind me of who I'm spending time with. Now, part of this is faith-based, and not everyone, um, you know, listening to this is uh, is will share my faith. Um, but I do believe that the example that Jesus set is one of uh, a broad community, and not spend only time with people that are religious. In fact, the people that he spent time with would scandalize the religious people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so if Jesus is a message of love and I have that love within me and then charged to bring that love to people, then it should not be just kept for people um, that share my faith. Yep. Uh, Amen. So I spend time now with people and keeping them, keeping them close with people that are 
um, I guess the the buzzword would be deconstructing their faith. Sure. Yep. Um, they're working through what that means and what that means in the context of uh, a religious structure, a system, like you said, that is missing the boat on some offerings. Yep. Um, so then if, if the Jesus I follow is about bringing people together and it's not the people you'd expect, um, then, then his people should be doing the same thing. And so that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, just because you're one of those sparks trying to bring change for people. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think it's super healthy for people to go through a period of deconstruction. I absolutely went through that. I highly recommend it. <laughs> that may be controversial, but I it's super <laughs> great because to me, I like then for me, I went through that period, super important, and now I'm just like, oh man, what can we reconstruct? Like what can we build mm-hmm. out of this? And that those are the conversations that really get me excited. It's like you deconstruct, you can get rid of some things that you know, you needed to get rid of. And then when you, whatever we're building next, like it's going to be leaner, it's going to be stronger, it's going to be better. And so I, I, um, I'm excited for, for those reconstruction conversations when people come out of the other end of that super important period of time of, of deconstruction. So that's great that you're hanging out with people like that because I am too, and it helps and it matters and it's important. Yeah. I've always thought about it like, what what i have what i have left is mine yeah right yeah it's not it there's stuff that's given to us just like our parents there's stuff that's given to us and some of it needs to be disposed or composted and and we learn what to what to take um what to get rid of what to keep what to reform yep and yeah, and unfortunately, you know, in, in our broken world, the church has done that hurt too. And so I'm glad that there's these community spaces, um, you know, that people are creating where love can be shared and the invitation of love can be in. So yep. people that are hurting can find mm-hmm. um, some peace. I love it. Okay. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back with uh, my story here on the John Corbin podcast. We are back on the John Corbin podcast. I'm here with my guest, L. Pike. L. before, uh, when you were telling your story and talking about New Leaf, you used a word that I didn't understand and I was too shy to jump in, but I'm like, this is a podcast of learning. So I need you to break it down for me. What does ecumenical mean? Ah, yes. Okay. So um, ecumenical, I guess, and it's like proper definition would be um, trying to promote or connect with like worldwide Christian unity or cooperation. Sometimes ecumenical uh, in some contexts means like interfaith, which is super cool. Uh, it just isn't what um, at this point, what we're doing, we we're just sort of connecting across denominations in Canada 
Um, so we would be straight across the spectrum on all sorts of different theological positions. We'd have like, you know, really like happy, clappy Christians all the way to like, <laughs> you know, liturgical loving those robes and candles kind of Christians. And so we've tried to create the space where there's unity without uniformity. Um, and um, how we often say it is like unity doesn't come from downplaying our convictions or our differences, but it comes by being clear about who we are, uh, what we think, what we believe, who, who we are, and choosing in our differences to stay together. So we often use the conversation of like the table, right? Using that as the metaphor of like the potluck, you know, you bring what you've got, you share what you've got, it might be different, but you're all here together. So um, it's not as easy and lovey-dovey as it sounds because you kind of have to manage divergent worldviews and viewpoints in the midst of, you know, our current culture, which can be a little slippery, but um, we're relational, you know, we're not, we're not a content machine. We're trying to connect people and, and that's what it means to connect real life people with different backgrounds from, from different perspectives, different ethnicities. So uh, that's kind of how I use the word, word ecumenical. Uh, and that's at least how we use it in our context. That's a good question. It's, it's a word that's new to me in the last number of years too. So mm. don't feel bad asking. Oh, I'm, I am uh, going to ask. That's, <laughs> that's how I learn. Uh, it, w- what you said reminds me of uh, a hip hop song that was quite formative for me um, from 2001. Um, the group was called the Tunnel Rats, and um, the subgroup within it was uh, called LPG, Living Proof of Grace. And they always, I, I come back to the songs called Remember, uh, where they say, um, uh, Unity is not uniform, different tools for different jobs, different crews for different jobs. Stop looking for the godly men and look for God in men. Focus on the common thread, not job description. I like it. Always stuck with me. That's good. All right. So my side of the story. Yes, yes. TEDx Waterloo Women. I get the invite for, this is in 2012. We never never framed it, but uh, yeah, that was like eight years ago. I can't believe it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah so once i get over the shock of um of being asked like uh you know it was just an email i remember with you know a few lines and and why do they want me and and i understand you know the music i do or the or the poetry i do but even doing that in the ted context is is unique um but uh once i get my head around it it's it's really fascinating um there are experiences in my life as a young person that taught me to embrace uh, being the minority in the room. And the discomfort level is where the growth happens. And so I've learned to talk less and listen more. And so I remember walking into that um, to the, to the building and just being disconnected. If this is 2012, I've been living in Milton for five years. I really miss the energy of, of Kitchener Waterloo, even yeah. though, um, we're not too far away. Um, it's still a place I miss and pains me to not be there. And so there's an energy with the people there that doesn't match my own because towns are different, Right. Um, and it's like, oh, I remember this energy, but it's not mine. And um, I'm going to sit and I need to get into performance mode. But I really want to learn what's happening. And I've never 
been to a TED event before either. Mm -hmm. So there's this sort of multiple streams going through my head around the tech stuff in preparation, um, my own performance preparation, and then really wanting to engage what's there. Um, and I was struck by the host for the day, Julia Rose, Rosen, mm -hmm. or Rosine Rosen. Um, it just had this really warm, uh, welcoming presence. And that really set the tone for the day to provide space for people to speak and for the audience to engage. And you could just, I could tell it when I was on stage, but you could just see it in everyone that, um, that went, that, that presented. Um, so you mentioned the talk about what if Einstein was a woman? That was, uh, that was a standout one for me. Elizabeth Monier Williams, mm -hmm. um, her talk on, the representation of women in, uh, well, she looks specifically at X-Men and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I, I love that she was being very open about her geekdom. Yeah. Yeah. And still taking a, an, like, and taking an academic approach to it in ways that really surprised me because she framed these heroes that we saw in Jean Grey and Buffy as being, I don't know, forced is the right word. You know, I'm going to say forced to be, to be considered in the context of their families mm. in ways that um, male superheroes often weren't. And also framed the tropes of not just uh, of being, considered in the context of their families, but often have to sacrifice themselves for their families, mm -hmm. which connects very much to, you know, um, conventional understandings of, uh, motherhood in a, in a f familial relationship and where men might be freer to go and do the things that they need to do for their own purpose. The women's purposes surrounding their family. And, and I was just floored. I, I, I was, uh, eating up every word and and i'm a big i'm not a um like a big comic book fan I, I like film and i like studying representation in film and so for her to use you know the x-men films um and do some cultural studies work which is you know if i if i had a second degree it'd probably be in uh religion if i had a third degree it'd probably be in cultural studies like i just would, yep. i really love school that's where my nerdery is I was so taken by that. And then I was just like, oh, I'm thankful I'm here. Mm. Uh, I don't need to say or do anything. I just am very thankful to be in, in this space. So that's, that's something that I remember very clearly. And because it stood out to me so much, when I started teaching, um, in the school I am now, I work in an alternative school. I started working in the adult ed side of, um, of the school. And some of the English courses that we had were just, uh, were outdated, needed some, some infusion. And, um, in 2013, 2014, um, 
you know, we're we're looking at, you know, peak superhero movies and mm. we're watching the the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. um, unfold and, and leading up to these, you know, big Avengers movies that they had been planning and planning. And there was this dialogue around, are there too many of these? And so I took one of my high school courses and shaped a unit around that discussion, just sort of uh, uh, gleaning cultural criticism mm. from different spots online and giving my students a bunch of opinions to read and uh, and work to respond. So then after they did all that, uh, then I made them, made them, then I uh, offered up uh, Elizabeth's talk. That's great. And was so pumped to be able to take a form where, you know, there were probably a lot of guys that were interested in the in sort of the superhero genre of film, not all, but a lot, and give them an opportunity to see this different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, how lucky am I to be able to, you know, share what I have learned and, you know, use my position to provide as as broad a perspective, as broad amount of perspectives as I can. That was always, you know, there was an academic and professional takeaway from being in that space, which I always appreciated. Mm. So then the that energy from Julia and from yourself and from Elizabeth um, and from some of the other participants, that just continued on Twitter after mm -hmm. the event was done. Yeah, it did. And my excitement from learning from all of you and watching you interact, it sparked this idea where I said, you know... Um, these folks know each other well enough to converse well online and, and to share goodwill and energy. And um, I don't know if there was major substantive discussion happening on Twitter um, between between you, but I can I would just for my memory's sake, I imagine that there was a little bit. And I wrote you three and I said, you know what? I would like gladly record a conversation that you all were having. <laughs> That's right. Um, podcasts weren't as prevalent as they are now, although they they certainly were. Um, I was like, oh, that would just be just as a one off. Like if I could get them all at a table and just talk, I, that, I think that would be fascinating. It would be personally fascinating. And so and in the way my brain works, if I find it interesting, then surely everyone else will. But that there's seeds of that uh, thought in this podcast mm. eight years later. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I, I definitely want to provide perspectives and have interesting conversations. And there's a lot of that is trying to sit down. You know, we are doing it now. Elizabeth and I are going to sit down as well. That's great. Um, yeah. The ripple effects of your work, of your yes, um, I've certainly seen in my life as well. So That's I awesome. want to thank you for that publicly. Oh, I really appreciate that. It encourages me to keep going and saying yes to something else. So thank you. Yeah, it was such a great memory. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful, a beautiful memory. And I'm so happy that so many people were encouraged and connected by it. So yeah, it's great. And I know that you were discouraged, like there was, you know, audio and video <laughs> yeah. done. And, yeah, there was. And stuff didn't pan out for most people or some people, I would say. Yeah. I, yep. Elizabeth Talk survived. Yep, I think so. I believe so. And well, because, you know, I was showing it around and then um shohini as well like obviously she's gone on to great things yes mine not so much <laughs> uh, i'm so sorry it it follows in a long line of 
live recordings that have failed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have, I have some type of, uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, story after story of live stuff that hasn't gone well. Uh, 2007, my first, my first CD release concert um, at the Gig Theater in Kitchener. Mm-hmm. Um, they recorded the whole set and they recorded it to CD. And so when the set was done, they were rendering it to CD and someone stepped on the power cord of the machine and shut the whole thing down. That was all lost. That was the first of many things that have gone wrong. So the live stuff that I have out now, I'm super thankful for. <laughs> I remember, and the, and the, the reason I mention it is because I did a poem there that has never been released. Uh-huh. It was a retelling of Tony Campolo's story. Um, so I called it a story Tony told about um, a time where he was in Hawaii and couldn't sleep. And so he went for a walk to a local diner uh, in the diner. He overheard three prostitutes talking about how um, one of them was uh, one of them's birthday was the next day and nobody cared. Mm. And even her friends didn't care. And so when they left, he talked with the owner of the diner to throw her a birthday party. Um, the that. next night and um yeah it's never i don't know if it'll ever come out but it's something i had been working on and added to um added to my set with a couple of pieces that i had done before named from a woman which is um well known from fans of mine and another song you deserve which hadn't come out at the time and when i th- that song you know had so- i i've had some good conversations about that where that song succeeds and where um, it maybe fails in terms of a a man speaking into women's issues which I've really appreciated being checked on Mm. and then there's this yeah this poem that uh, I don't know what what will happen with it but I was really pleased to be able to bring it to that space because it ends with um, the owner of the diner being super surprised that Tony Campolo who is a sociologist as well as a preacher that he was a Christian he's like there's no no pastors I know would do anything like that yep and I wanted to put that on display because uh, in in front of the uh, mixed audience because my assertion is that all our churches should be doing that yeah, totally. Recognizing the needs of the community and responding regardless of who they are. Again, back to the types of people that Jesus hung out with. This is yeah. what I wanted to put forward at TED. And I've never had any conversations with people about that from that were at that event. But I was very happy to, to put that forward and continue to bring that, yeah, bring that voice of caring for one another in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. I'm so glad that you have such fond memories of it because it's uh, it was an important moment. So I'm glad it was an important moment for you too. So much so that even though I've been going on and on for how many minutes here, I don't feel like I'm scratching the surface of, <laughs> of what it was. That's wonderful. Um, that's great. But yeah, I guess that's just you know trying to communicate the depth of an emotion. Yeah, I'm very grateful to to be in spaces like that and then to be able to to tell stories. It's yeah. I'm, I'm glad you were able to come on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Love what you're doing. Love the community that you're cultivating. And I'm so th- grateful to have been a part. Is there any last thoughts that you would like to leave us with? Yeah, I have a quote that I love uh, very much. And I, I think it fits really well with um, what we've been talking about today and certainly sort of this idea of saying yes. So um It's a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. It's one people may have heard before. Uh, I know Brene Brown named her entire book after it, uh, Daring Greatly. So um, 
but I want to read it to your listeners. And uh, I don't know, I always get something out of it. So I hope that someone out there gets something out of it. So the quote goes like this. It says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually does strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And I love that quote, because thinking about saying yes, thinking about stepping out, thinking about storytelling, art, community, whatever you're doing, it's not the critic who counts. It is the person that is in the arena. And when you say yes, you put yourself in that space, and you put yourself in a space of sometimes great vulnerability, but it matters. Your yes matters. Even if you fail, you fail while daring greatly. And the world needs more of that. The world needs your yes. And so whatever it is, whoever's listening, there is something out there that is the next thing for you to do, the next best yes for you to say. And I just always want to encourage people to say yes to whatever that thing is. Even if it blows up, um, you will be better for having done it. You will be stronger. stronger. You will have learned something from it. And uh, I just want people to say that next yes, because more times than not, um, really great things come from that yes for you and for the people who come around you, uh, kind of like we were talking about in the TEDx Waterloo Women event, all those other people who got to experience something because some of us said yes. And uh, I just want to leave that with people as an encouragement, no matter where they're at or what they're doing. Thank you so much. Amazing words. And we really appreciate your encouragement. Thank you, my friend. What a pleasure and honor to be on your podcast. I super duper appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you again. Absolutely. All right. Peace. So that was my chat with El Pike. Fascinating. I'm so glad we did that. There's just an incredible amount of learning that's happening. If you want to get to know Elle a bit more, you can check her out on Twitter at Elle Pike, E-L-L-E-P-Y-K-E. I'd also recommend uh, that you check out her work with the New Leaf Network, newleafnetwork.ca. There's a blog on there as well where Elle has penned a few things. Um, And uh, check out the work. Uh, New Leaf has a podcast as well that you'd be able to, to check out. Um, this is a, a great thinker and someone working to build, bring people together. And so I'm really blessed to know her and so glad that you listened. Thank you so much for listening to the John Corbin Podcast. Please let me know what you think of the episode by connecting with me on social media at John Corbin Music, J-O-N-C-O-R-B-I-N. Find out more information about my creative work at johncorbinmusic.com. This episode was edited by Tanya for Smart Creations and supported by people like you at patreon.com slash John Corbin. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.